All right. Yeah, there's a bunch of parents here now and a bunch of grown-ups, and I'm sure that you got a gift. In the top of your notes, it says unopened gifts, but I want to ask you a question. What did you get for Christmas? Is there something that rings in your mind, something you remember getting? It could be expensive. It could have been something that your child gave you, something uh, inexpensive, but something they put their heart in and they saved their money to give it. for. You know, what gift did you open that is in your mind right now? I'm not asking you to hand it out to me, but, but I, I want to ask you a question as you think about the, the gift in your heart, in your mind. Every year it seems at our house there's one gift that, goes unopened. It didn't happen this year, though we had some stuff that should have been mailed out and we're going to do that, but I don't know why and where it's from and I can't remember, but it seems like there's always an unopened gift. You're welcome to uh, pull out your smartphone, go to the Bible app, follow along in the notes today, or look right in the old-fashioned paper ones there. So let me ask you a question. You know, are there any gifts that are still under your tree? Maybe you know who they're going to, and is it possible you had a gift for somebody And they said, no thanks, not the best scenario, not the best situation in the world. Why would somebody receive a gift and not unwrap it, not open it up? That's what I kind of want to explore with you today. I want to talk about redeeming December, but the gifts that happen and the multitude of gifts that happen, talking about it from a biblical perspective, number one in your notes, fill it in with me if you would. These are gifts that open doors. All right? Now, I'm not talking about a physical door that's open. I'm talking about an opportunity. These are gifts that the Scriptures talk about that are an opportunity. Proverbs 18, 16 in the New Living Translation says, Giving a gift can open doors. It can give access to important people. Right? And why is a gift so powerful? What is it about a gift? Because when you give a gift to somebody, it says that you were thinking about them. It shows you were thinking about them and something about them. Hopefully, if you did it right, you found out what they wanted, not what you wanted to give them. Right? That's the opportunity there. So the passage of Scripture says it can open the way to an opportunity, you know. And everybody likes getting a gift, you know. It breaks down barriers. It, it, it gives opportunities. It moves the heart. But I want you to notice one word there. Please notice it. It says that it can. It can open the door. You understand that there's probably been some times as a Christian, maybe, you said, I'm going to give a gift, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go above and beyond, and it wasn't appreciated. Maybe they refused it, maybe they just took it, whatever. It didn't do what you had intended, but the passage of Scripture says it can. It's powerful. You know, a student brings a teacher, traditionally, an apple, right? You know, today it would be an Apple iPad, you know, but, you know, a student. And what's the purpose of it? The purpose of me in grade school bringing a gift to a teacher was to bribe them. You know, I was a terrible student. I couldn't sit very long, and that was definitely against me. You know, every time I squirmed, I got beat a little bit more, and that's a little bit about why I am the way that I am. But you bring it with the hopes that, oh, the teacher's correcting homework, and they remember, that was so nice of Evan to bring an apple, although my mother made me bring it. You know, it wasn't nothing I had an intention of doing. You know, it's, it's with this hope and with this purpose of opening opportunities so when they're grading my paper, they're a little bit more lenient on me. Unless they catch on that they know I'm trying to bribe them, right? You know, a boy who hates girls. I'm sure there's a few of those that are here today. You hate girls. But one day, there's going to be something that changes. It's almost like an alien enters your body. And all of a sudden, you're thinking, I kind of think girls are cute. 
I, I think that I'll, I'll stop pulling their hair and poking them in the eyes. And I think that I'll, I'll, I'll hey, Mom, what would uh, Sally like, you know, that I could get her a gift for or something? Because it opens a door of opportunity. You know, she probably doesn't know you exist. And you want her to know. You understand the power of a gift. It, it can open the way to an opportunity. But it also gives access to important people. Why does it give access to important people? Because important people are just like regular people. They truly do enjoy receiving a gift, getting a gift. If the important person in your life is your boss or whoever it might be, your wife, your husband, whatever, you know, you get them a gift on their birthday. You let them know that you were thinking about them, you know. Who is important to you? Who is important to you? Even to the point that you think, you know, I'd really like to influence that person. You know, Jesus even talks about doing good and blessing your enemies. Two weeks ago, I think I read a, uh, a testimony from, uh, from Dawn, and she gave a gift to an enemy, and today she said it just opened the doors of opportunity, cross bridges and things that nothing else in the world can do. Giving a gift that opens the door, giving a gift that uh, it make, gives access to important people, you know. I guess the thing I would like to say to you today is Christians ought to be in the habit of giving a gift on a non-gift-giving day. You know what I mean by a non-gift-giving day? A day that's not Mother's Day, not Father's Day, a day that's not Christmas, a day that's not anniversary, just thinking about somebody else. There are good husbands and wives here, you do that. You think about that. You know, you think, you know, uh, you know, you go to pick up a card and you think, man, $2.50 for a card, you know, well, go to Dollar Tree. You can get one for a buck or you can get a pack for a buck, you know. What do you do knowing the passage of Scripture is true to give a gift on a non Just to show that the love of Jesus Christ is in your heart. You know, if, if it was up to Jesus Christ, what would he give to us? Now, normally we ought to be thinking the other way around, but that's kind of what the song was about. For Jesus Christ, what type of a gift would he give to you and to me? He loves mankind. He created mankind. What kind of a gift would he give to us? Of course, you probably know the answer to that. He gave us something that nobody else on earth, nothing we could do to help ourselves, he gave us the gift of himself as a sacrifice. Someone who would pay for our sin when we could not pay for our sin. That is a tremendous and a great gift. And when we give a gift, we're awful lot like God the Father who gave us his son, Jesus Christ. When we give, we're like the Father, and Jesus was his gift, the Father's gift to us. It was the gift that redeems all gift-giving, and it's the gift that redeems December for sure. Number two, these are gifts that uh, we didn't ask for, right? Everybody gets gifts they didn't ask for, you know. Who, who wraps up a pack of three pairs of underwear and gives them for Christmas? Don't raise your hand, anybody, you know. <laughs> Nobody raise your hand, you know. And if you're, if you're, if you're a, a newly married man, let me just give you some advice. Never buy an appliance, an iron, a, a dust buster, as a gift. If you did, repent. If your wife, my, my wife, she's very... She's very thrifty. And she wanted, she said to me, you know, I, I want a dustbuster. And I'm like, no, you need a dustbuster? Here's some money. Go buy one. I'm not buying you one of those for Christmas. But she bribed the kids into doing it, and she got a dustbuster for Christmas. There are certain things, you know, you want, and you get into certain things, you know. Like, she bought me a shirt and a tie 
one time. And I didn't ask for it. You know, who, who likes socks? Who likes ties? I, whatever. I don't hardly wear them except like once a year. I need one tie, two ties maybe, Christmas and Easter, you know. And so somebody gives you a gift. You, did, you know, I don't know how to accessorize. So that's why she does that. And you know they've discovered the perfect man. You guys know they've discovered the perfect man. They finally, after years and years, figured it out. It's Mr. Potato Head. Mr. Potato Head is tan. He's cute. And if he looks at another woman, you can rearrange his face. (laughs) Have you ever received a gift you didn't ask for? But later on you said, yeah, I really needed that. Folks, that's exactly what God the Father did. You have John 3, 16 through 18. And for any of you little children that are here today, any of the little children, big children, whatever, if you've parents... When they're watching a sporting event, if you've never seen how popular John 3.16 is, when you're off playing and doing something and John 3, and they're watching a sporting event, call your kids in and say, look, they're holding a sign that says John 3.16. That's what we're going to start with today. Here is God the gift giver. For God so loved the world that he gave. God is a giver from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that's Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, just so you know, there's a lot of people that stop right there. You need to know the rest. Let me just give you two other verses so we can put this in. That sounds like a wonderful thing, but if you, if you don't believe you perish, if you do believe you have eternal life, verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's good news. Okay, but make sure you understand that Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn it. And here's the reason why. Here is the bad news that you have to know about. Children and adults, you have to know the bad news. Verse 18, whoever believes in him, they're not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. That's why Jesus said, I didn't come. You guys are already, you're all messed up. There's sin that entered the world. It's the one spiritual disease that has been passed on to every person born, every child, every adult, because the scripture goes on to say, they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Now, the gift is the need that everybody has, but nobody asked for. There was nobody in history walking around saying, I need a savior. God continued to put it before them in the Old Testament and the New Testament, everything leading up to Jesus. Nobody said, why don't you send your son? It wasn't our idea. It was his idea. It's the gift we didn't ask for. It's the gift we didn't seek out. But it is the gift that we definitely need. The passage of Scripture says, whosoever. You know what that refers to? That refers to somebody that sees Jesus Christ as a gift and unwraps it. And not everybody unwraps it. It's those that unwrap it. It's those who take him into your life. He says, they shall not perish. You have eternal life. But the other side of it is, for those who do not come to Jesus, for those who will not believe in Jesus, and I'm not talking about the belief that hearts with your mind. I'm talking about the belief that is with your being, the belief that Jesus is a Savior. That means I'm a sinner. And a sinner needs a Savior. And it's for the person who doesn't say, like I did for 25 years, yeah, I know he exists in my head, but it's for the person who will surrender to him because even in surrender to this king he is a good king he he is a gift a gift giving God who loves us and gives us his son Jesus Christ you and I if we're not in Christ we stand condemned 
That's perish, that word means eternal hell. And just you check it out yourselves. Jesus talked about hell more than any other individual in the Bible because he knew what it was about. He knew it was real. Jesus is our creator. He's given us a gift that we didn't ask for, yet he knew we needed. And when we open that door, right, we talked about him knocking at that door. There's this instruction book that he gives us. When you open your heart to Jesus Christ, the number one instruction book that you open is the Bible. If you don't have one, we have them up here on either side. They're free. You take them. They're a gift to us, from us to you. You take it. And you, you, you know, guys here, you know what it's like to get a gift. I, I have a videotape of, a, of a, a big wheel I'm trying to put together without the instructions. On Christmas Eve, it was a fiasco, very hard to watch. Don't read the instructions. You cannot be a Christian if you don't open up your instruction manual. Don't, don't claim that you're a follower of Jesus because that's his word. Those are his words. It's a gift we didn't ask for. A gift in the scripture says it opens an opportunity. And guess what? God thought you were important enough, special enough, you know, to give a gift to you. You are the one that that passage talks about. It gives access to important people. Lo and behold, to God the Father, you're it. You are it. Sometimes the gift that we didn't ask for is exactly the gift that we really need. And it redeems December and it redeems us and it redeems all gift giving. Number three in your notes. This is the gift that you possess. The gifts that you possess. You see, God is a God, uh, uh, is a giving God. And now he gave his son, the scripture teaches that when he created you, he created you with special abilities. And when you become a Christian, he ups the ante in regards to spiritual gifts. And we'll talk about that in just a minute here. Every person born is created in God's image. And so if God is gifted, he also gifts us. That's part of being made in his image. And then last Sunday of January, we're going to have a ministry fair all back here, all these tables back here and in there are all going to be a ministry fair table set up by all the different directors with opportunities for you to join, with opportunities for you to sign up. Now, some of the ministries have some restrictions, and so you have to, you know, you have to take a look and see what they are. Some of the ministries, like outdoors and stuff like that, inside facilities, anybody can join and anybody can help, you know. Uh, you see, you don't want to be in a church where all of the ministry is done by a pastor. That, that, that's a dead and a dying church. You don't want to be in a church where supposedly the pastor is the only minister. In Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it says, when Jesus ascended, he poured out and passed out gifts. And I know when we're young, Christmas, you know, it's like, I can't wait to get my gifts, right? It's all about me. But as you start to grow up a little bit and you appreciate your parents a little bit or your teacher or someone, something starts to happen and you start to mature and you start to become really, I would say, more like Christ, you begin to enjoy giving gifts more than receiving them. It's just so much joy in giving. Now, we have a ministry here called the Connection Ministry. Rhonda, wave your hand. She's on the back of the program. This connection ministry helps you discover two things. Number one, your spiritual gifts. See her. There'll be some information. To sign up her information on the back of the program. And the other side of it is it's a leadership assessment. It helps you know, okay, how am I going to use my gifts? If you haven't done one of these, it's been a while, I strongly encourage you. If you're new to our fellowship, that'll help us know exactly where to plug you in. And I'm telling you, it's a lot of fun. 
It is a lot of fun to take it, to go over it and take a look at it. So Rhonda will be around after service. So gifts that you have are under your control. That's just the way it is. Every gift that you have, God has given you free will to do what you want with it. You have gifts, talents, and abilities, and you can use it all for yourself. You know, I often think about people who, who sing, Otis Redding and whoever. You know, they sing, and all of their lives they use the gift that God has given them you know, uh, what I would say, a non-spiritual gift at that point, to just worship uh, people and people worship them and to make money and just never, ever, ever use their voice, the gift that God has given them to honor Jesus Christ. Now, all of you, maybe you don't care about that, but you do know that Jesus taught in a parable that we are to use our gifts. He had given one, one bag of gold, another five bags of gold, another ten bags of gold. And the, in that, the one who had gifts and talents that God had given to him, because talents are like an old-style money, we call it talents, they're gifts. What happened to the person who buried their talents and didn't use them? Jesus said, depart from me into wickedness, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That means anybody who calls himself a Christian, ought to be serving. You don't want to be in a church where the pastor does all the ministry because that means I would lead worship. That'd be really bad. You know, that would mean I do everything from the parking lot into here. I would do everything. But what makes a church dynamic is people who know and understand their gifts and their talents and they use them for the Lord. You know, there are gifts that we possess that are are given to us, and and they're given to us by God. And for some people, those gifts lay unwrapped. Unwrapped. I fear for your future, because you can make all the excuses in the world for not serving Jesus, but he came to serve and not be served. And he taught specifically that you must use your talents and gifts for him. Now, in your notes, I have uh, abilities equal gifts. And the reason that I have that there is because this is what Jesus taught, you know, all throughout the scriptures, that he loves us enough to give us talents and abilities. There are some people here, you're a great mechanic. You know, uh, we'll talk about some some talents and abilities and then some spiritual gifts. You know, if you're you're a mechanic or you're an engineer or something like that, you know, uh, you can take things apart. And you can find a way to fix it. Somebody brings you something broken, you are pretty good enough to know that whole thing in your mind that you can fix it. If you take your car to a mechanic and they say, well, I'll just take a shot at it here somewhere, you might want to be a little careful. But you have that ability. There's something about you, you know. In church, you need to know how important gifts are. Some of the gifts that you don't realize. Let me, in the parking lot, if a brand new person comes in the parking lot, how they're greeted is important. Matter of fact, I got a text after last service of a guy who was in the parking lot at Lifeline years ago who got in a fight with a guy. And he said, Evan, were you, were you talking about me? And I said, I forgot about it. But, you know, somebody pulls in. They want, how a person is greeted out there, how they're greeted when they come in that door, the hospitality, how they're greeted with hospitality makes a decision in 8 to 11 minutes if they're going to come back before they hear the music, before they hear the lousy preaching. They've made a decision. If they're treated terrible, they're there, they're there. I spoke to somebody. I don't know if you remember this, Jim. We were having a Bible study Wednesday night. A couple came to our church and said, we went to 20 churches 
Nobody said hi to us. Don't, don't, be, don't, don't, be, don't be grumping like that. Who did you talk to today that you don't know? The kingdom of heaven is too important for us to be communicating with only our friends. Who did you go and say hi to? During high five, did you find somebody you didn't know? Did you walk a little further than three feet? This is important to our faith. You don't want to be a part of a church that's cliquish, and I don't want to pastor one that all they think about is themselves. This is the essence of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. In your notes, the, the central part of what I want to say to you today, if you pull it all together, is that we need to become known as gift givers. Gift givers. Think about others and become a gift giver. What is your natural talent that you have? You know, you're good with numbers. You're good with uh, counseling. You like uh, that type of prison ministry. What is it that you're really good with just naturally? Offer it up to the Lord. And then if you're a Christian, God has given you at least one spiritual gift. How are you using that gift? Are you ready to go through the connection ministry, to go to the ministry fair and say, how can I assist this church? Do you know in this church there's some people do four different things? They barely have enough time. They're doing four different areas of ministry. It'd be nice if somebody just lifted one of those. Said, you know, I'll do that. We need to become known as gift givers in the church and in our lives because that's truly what makes a church dynamic. You don't want to be, the old adage that, you know, the, the preacher, the pastor does the ministry is a lie. It's not biblical. And you don't want to be in a church where the pastor does all the ministry. I love when you come and ask me something. I say, well, go see Jim. Yeah, check with Ron on that, you know. I got the answer, but I'm trying to help people understand. Don't go to me. You need something? Go see Nancy. Nancy, she's got all the answers. Nancy's got all the phone numbers. I'm not a Rolodex. You don't, I don't think, want to be a part of a church where you just get to sit in the pew and come every week. Because if you're going to redeem the gifts that God has given us, we have to realize he's given us eternal life, so let's give it back. So, and the bottom of your notes, I have the, just the phrase, you know, offer your gifts, right? Repetitive enough. I don't know how many of you know a guy named uh, Sean Salisbury, but he was a quarterback in the NFL, I believe, with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, he became a sports an- analysis. Uh, what's the word? <laughs> uh, yeah, he worked on ESPN. <laughs> and he, things were going great, and then he did something really dumb doesn't even matter what it was. He did something really dumb, really stupid, and everything came apart. He lost his job, lost his wife, separated from his wife and his kids, and he said this, quote, he said, I'm a walking train wreck. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get better, unquote. Now, that's really nice if you say that and you know somebody that knows Jesus because you can just do a lot of good things and understand that Morality never equals spirituality. Morality never, otherwise Jesus wouldn't have said you need to be born again to a very morally good guy named Nicodemus. 
It's just this past Christmas, as I understand it, marks a one-year anniversary of a journey that he began. He was driving home after visiting his children, right? He's visiting, it's Christmas Day, and he says, he says quote, about a half hour outside of Dallas, walking down I-45 with a big old duffel bag was a guy who come to know as Russell. Russell had been living on the street for nearly 25 years. He's having a difficult time digging out for some of the rock-bottom place that he was. 25 years. He had kind of gotten used to it, right? He began walking south from St. Louis in search of a warmer climate. So he's got his duffel bag. He's walking along. And uh, he was a part of drugs, alcohol. He had no direction. And Russell says, and when you hit the skids, it takes a long time to stop. That draws a picture in my head. You hit the skids takes a long 25 years, right? Uh, Salisbury says, I, I stopped for a second and said, where are you headed? He says, Katy, Texas. And he said, come on, get in. <laughs> and as he tells the story, he says, the first thing he did is he drove by him. Then something spoke to his heart, so he turned back around, says, where are you going? It just so happened, just so happened, right? This is exactly where he was headed. So, what he did was initially he thought, you know, I'll just check him into a hotel. But he stayed at his house one night, and then he said, you know what? You can just stay at my house. He's single. He's batching it. He's by himself. You can just stay at my house, you know. So he began there, and he began to try to help him find a job in, in Katy there. And uh, he said those plans changed. He says, you know, as I got to know him, he said, I kind of realized that he just needed a break. The guy just needed a break, and he said he got one. You know, he said he, he's, he's turned into a very trusted friend. And he basically says now, a year later, he says, we talk anything from sports to politics, you know. Russell, uh, the homeless man, he does chores around the home to contribute. His goal is to land a job and get back on his feet. In order to get a job, he, he needed proper identification. And just to tell you some of the different things over the last year, 25 years you don't have a birth certificate anywhere close. You don't have a driver's license. You don't have a social security number. So he got, I think he went to the DMV and he, and he got his birth certificate. And I have here written that the lady there says the birth certificate isn't any good. That just shows that you were born. It doesn't mean you're alive. I mean, think about it. If you wanted to cop somebody's identification, just get their birth certificate. And they had to go through this and that. And Salisbury helped them all. He considered him a friend. It's been a long road for the two men. But uh, progress has been made. Along the way, Salisbury even found a way to help get a dentist to help him. I think he had two or three teeth. I have a picture of Russell right here. If you could pop that up for me. There's Russell with his new teeth. You ought to go online, see what he looked like before. But here's the story. Here's the situation. You know, it's not every day that someone gets a second chance at life. It's not every day that it's offered to them, but that's exactly what happened here. Here's the one man who received a Christmas gift that ultimately got him off of the streets. Now, I don't know how much you know about the study of homeless people, but there are many homeless people like Russell who would have said, no, thank you, I don't need a ride, who would have said, no, thank you, I'm not staying at your home, no, thank you, I don't need a job. Somehow they're working, they just... It's something psychological. I get it. I, 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 they just wouldn't accept it. Uh, and there's a lot of homeless people who refuse help. And when I think about it, I think about the gift that Russell unwrapped. I think about the offer of Jesus Christ himself. We celebrate on a day where we unwrap gift after gift after gift. And how many people say the same thing that many homeless people say, no thanks. 
I like my life the way it is. Jesus will just mess it up. Well, if it's not messed up on this side of eternity, it will be messed up on the other side. There are many people who, because of their pride, refuse help or their stubbornness or stupidity of Jesus Christ saying, you know, it's that gift that's left unwrapped under the tree and it's left unwrapped all of our lives. And all we all are is homeless people. We, we found somebody who would give us a home. And you could be homeless in this life, but you don't want to be homeless in eternity, do you? Just bow your heads with me today. Are you someone who today wants to unwrap the gift of Jesus Christ? You must know that the Savior came to forgive you of your sins. Would you say to him, I know I'm a sinner, I know it. Would you say to him, I've been living my life myself, I've been a little bit afraid, I've been a little bit prideful, I, I, you know, what, what everybody in my family is very much concerning to me, and yet Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father. We ought to know what Jesus says. So with everybody's head bowed, would you maybe pray this prayer with me for the very first time? Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that you came into the world. You're called the Savior of the world, and I know that my head, but it's not in me personally. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I lower my pride. I lower my stubbornness. I lower whatever it is that's standing against me receiving you fully as the Lord Jesus Christ. And that gift is not going to be unwrapped anymore. Jesus, I'm opening it. I'm asking you to come into my heart and into my life don't want to be homeless in eternity. I don't want to be homeless here on this earth. Please come and be my Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. As uh, Roger comes to give you a couple announcements, all of my information is in the program. If you pray to that prayer, if you have some questions, if you're right on the edge or whatever, would you please text me, call me, email me? All my information is there so that I can pray with you, so I can know and uh, uh, get you any information. More important than anything else is you've you got to remember to open your Bible, get into the Scriptures, make sure you stay in church.